the plane has shifted from like this really cool flavorful city with rusalkas and like all this eastern european lore to now just being generic multicolor set they were like yeah multicolors enough we can get rid of the culture typical <laughs> typical cultural appropriation and assimilation <laughs> Welcome to episode number 45 of The Memory Jar. As always, we are here to remember the cards, the decks, the people, and the stories that make magic the game we love. I'm David Prestwood, and with me is my co-host, Christian Wright. Christian, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. I have an old-fashioned, I'm not going to lie, and I'm ready for the drain, to be honest. The throne of Eldrain. We're going to hear a lot of uh, Eldrain jokes, I think, over the next (laughs) three months. It's going to be a problem. I'm pretty sure yes. you might say it's a little a little draining. It's it's going to be a little draining. <laughs> uh, so, oh, that other voice you hear is our guest. We can talk all we want about Throne of Eldraine, but we are doing what we usually do, and we are looking backwards. And so our guest to help us with that this week is doing one of our favorite topics, a signature spellbook. So please welcome to the podcast the 2018 Magic Rookie of the Year, Pro Tour Ixalan semifinalist, Magic Fest coverage person, Chaos Draft aficionado, and Red Mage. Sam Eilenfeld. Burn, baby, burn. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, it is great to have you on. We've been talking about doing this for a long time, so welcome to uh, formerly Let's Remember Some Cards, now The Memory Jar. You're on the new rebranded podcast. Yeah, I actually really yeah. love the rebrand. I think it's a really a really nice new name. I was I was telling people I was going to be on Let's Remember Some Cards, and then I corrected myself. I was like, nope, this is The Memory Jar. <laughs> it sounds, it, it just, it rolls right off the tongue, and I think it's uh, honestly... What a good way to rebrand. Thank you. We appreciate that. You did well with Ixalan with a red deck, right? I'm not crazy. It was. It was a red deck. Actually, I have played okay. red decks at every single Pro Tour I've played in. Okay, okay. It is my favorite color. I have in standards where it wasn't good, jammed it anyways. Uh, there are standards where it has been good, and I've played my favorite color combination, red-green, on the Pro Tour mm-hmm. instead of playing the right deck. I played red-green dinosaurs. Because I thought oh, it was yeah. a good, fun deck, and I got trounced. <laughs> but I had a great time. That's the key. I will say, I feel like I'm a blue-black mage. And when I play red, for some reason, like red and green just go together. It's peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, right. it's my, my list is red cards and green cards. All right, well, before we get into Sam's signature spellbook, like we always do, let's crack open the memory jar. Okay, this week's card is, God, this is so hard to say, and I'm going to see if I can nail it on the first try. Click Slither. You got it. All right, we did it. <laughs> you got it, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Click Slither is a rare originally from Legions. It is one red, red, red for a 3-3 insect. It has haste, and you can sacrifice a goblin, and Click Slither gets two, plus two, plus two, and gets trample until end of turn. Yeah, this thing's a finisher, man. This thing eats goblins for breakfast and lunch and dinner. Yeah, they reprinted it in Vintage Masters, too, to sort of push that Goblins archetype a oh, little bit. Oh, nice, yeah. Which was really oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, It's uh, yeah. it makes me think of the dragons that have Devour, but it's just like temporary Devour. It's just like, uh, I'm, I'm going to have a little Goblin for a snack. It's not going to stick around. It's not one of those, like, a minute on the lips, forever on the hip situations. just passes right through. <laughs> I'd like to complain about this card a little bit. Um, okay. It has more than six legs, and I don't think that that would classify it as an insect. In fact, it looks more like a spider, like an arachnid in this art. That could just be me. 
No, I, I think you know, you're not wrong. That's uh, it's too many legs, and it has. Does it have like, scorpion tails? Yeah, it's it's definitely more scorpion than insect. Okay, I believe a scorpion is a uh, lobster. Scorpions yeah. are a form of lobsters. Okay, lobster. It's a crustacean. <laughs> no, no. So I'm going to defend Kev Walker here. So the lore of onslaught, the big thing was the Mirari was mucking everything up. And so that's the that's what happened is they took a normal insect and the Mari is like Bleh! and then there you go you have a three three that gets trampled for some reason in red. One of the things I thought was interesting about this is that it is an insect that mentions goblins and so I was curious and went to Scryfall and said, show me all of the non-goblin creatures that mention goblins in the card and there are twenty four of them. That's so many and they're across all five colors, which was really surprising. Sam, we're looking at the list right now. Do you have a favorite? Um, I'm I'm really into Chancellor of the Forge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like free effects. It's cool to start the game with a 1-1. The card is big and red. What is not to love? Yeah, one of the uh, least seen cards from that Chancellor cycle from New Phyrexia. Christian, how about you? So I'm going to have a tie. First off, the first one is Stinch Skipper, because it looks like the saddest little elemental that just wants to hang out with goblins. Oh, it's just a bottom um, muckraking elemental fish. And it's flying. It's it's pretty cool. Uh, the second one is Earth Blighter, because it's very random. So this was also printed in Legions, and it's basically one in black for a 1-1 one, one cleric, and it has two in black tap, sacrifice a goblin, destroy target land. It makes zero sense. But whatever, it's, you know, repeatable stone rains in black. What's not to like? What is the flavor of Earthblighter here? The flavor text is, a single dedicated mind can bring about the greatest destruction. That or goblins. Goblins work too. I think the the (laughs) flavor here is this cleric is throwing goblins at lands to explode them. It's just like Gronk spiking them into the land and the (laughs) land collapses upon itself. (laughs) But imagine that. Like, try to think about that in real life. Like, you have this random cleric. It's got a live goblin by, like, the foot, right? (laughs) And it's going up to an island and it's like, hurrah! And then all of a sudden the island sinks. You're like, I don't... (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Well, it turns out goblins are useful. Who knew? Uh, My favorite is probably uh, Garbage Elemental from... Unstable, okay. because it's one of the six versions of uh, Garbage Elemental. This one was four and a red for a 3-2. And when it enters the battlefield, you roll two six-sided dice. Rolling dice was part of that set. And then you get a number of 1-1 one, one red goblin tokens equal to the difference between those results. So you can end up with none. It's that gamble. The thing I liked about Unstable was that it created all of these situations where you're like, so many different things could happen what's going to happen, yeah. and this card was emblematic of that. This one also has Battle Cry, so, you know, when it attacks, all of those goblins, if they're attacking, would get plus one, plus zero. Oh, so it's actually, like, a reasonably playable card. Yeah, that's uh, this is one of the better versions of Garbage Elemental. We do not have to go through this whole list, but they are all garbage <laughs> yes, in their own are. special way. Hey, man, one of them had Cascade. That was pretty nice. That's, that's, pretty nice. that's true. One of them did have Cascade. Um... I like this card a lot. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm a, a, this honestly feels m- just as much like a garbage elemental <laughs> as garbage <laughs> elemental does. Looking at this card, so tribal golem is a six mana artifact creature golem from onslaught. It was a four four, and this is a big block of text. It has trample as long as you control a beast, haste as long as you control a goblin, first strike as long as you control a soldier, flying as long as you control a wizard, and 
black regenerate tribal golem as long as you control a zombie. So it's like a tribal card for all the tribes. Um, it's never good either. No, it's a rare, and no matter what creatures you have, it's still bad. <laughs> it is good if you open tribal golem and onslaught, and then you get a misform ultimus that wheels to you. Okay. I can see that. So then you have a 4-4 four, four, Trample Haste First Strike Flying Regenerating Tribal Golem for 6? Okay, yeah. I'm in for that. But you need two rares, so... <laughs> you know, do, we'll do our best. Weren't there, weren't there non-rare misforms? There were, but you had to activate them to get the uh, to make them all creature types. So, so they're like for one mana, you would have... Or for seven mana total, you could have a 4-4 four, four, Trample Haste first strike flying regenerating tribal golem yeah for seven that's a great deal i'm there i'm there for that yeah sure sure so we kind of went down a rabbit hole there a long way from click slither as is typical for our uh, weekly dive into the memory jar let's talk about our main topic so listeners if you've heard a signature spellbook episode before we are following on wizards of the coast's release of eight card supplemental products signature spellbooks. They've done one for Jace and they've done one for Gideon. Each have eight cards, one of which is a Jace or Gideon Planeswalker, and then the rest cards that are themed kind of fit in with their characteristics. So we ask our guests to tell us the eight cards that if they were designing their own personal signature spellbook, what would those cards be? It could be a card that means something to you personally, a card you just love, could be the art. Christian had Life Tap from 5th edition in his, you know, <laughs> you never know. So uh, whatever you want. So everybody, this is Signature Spellbook, Sam Eilenfeld. Before we get started, Sam, are these in any particular order? Yes, I've actually, I've put them in order of sort of my history of magic. Uh, this this spellbook is kind of a journey down memory lane for me, and I tried to find cards that sort of defined where I was and where I've gone in, in the game of magic. All right, that is awesome. So what is the first card in your spellbook? So my first card is a rare, uh, Silvos Rogue Elemental. Um, it's actually the card that got me into magic. Um, it was the first rare I ever opened. It was a foil rare, which Ooh. was pretty cool. And if you can imagine if you're like a, a young kid and someone's like, buy these cards and you crack open a pack and there's this giant 8-5 trampler in the back. And you don't know what anything else anything else about it, but it looks awesome and it's shiny. That's kind of what sold me on magic. That makes sense. So Silvos Rogue Elemental is three green, green, green for an eight five elemental. Uh, it's legendary. It has trample, and you can pay green to regenerate it. This was originally from Onslaught, so that's you pulled yeah. that out. Yeah. So Onslaught. and in fact, my yeah. first my first set of cards was the seventh edition starter pack Ooh. with like thorn Ooh. elemental but my that was sort of the first set of cards i had but my first pack was this the one with uh silvos in it you know it reminds me of a card that drew people in the same way back when i started playing which is force of nature yeah which you know a big green eight eight trample you know the art is even kind of similar to this big blocky planty mm-hmm. elemental thing I can see how that would grab you in right away. I feel like they should make a, a supplemental set for new players where every rare is just some big Timmy Chonker just so that they can really like really sell you on the product. 
Well, it's like if you open your first pack and your rare is Graf Digger's Cave, you're going to be like, ugh, not one of these. I remember, do you remember when you were younger and you opened packs and your rare was like a land? You were playing back in the day, so you're like, ugh, not another beta duel. God, I really just want to get something cool like a Sheevan Dragon. Look, my first starter ever was, if I recall correctly, a Mahamadi Jean and a Volcanic Island. And so I got the best of both worlds. I was I was hooked for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad at all. Well, and you, you mentioned the land dichotomy. So this is the set that introduced us to fetch lands. Yes. But I'm pretty sure this was the chase rares were all the um, guilt, the, these pit champions because this was part of a cycle. And so, yeah, no one cared about the fetch lands. They were like, oh, yeah, I want Vasara. Give me Vasara right now. Uh, well, I need to destroy When you creatures. say everyone, you mean the people who didn't uh, play because they wanted to win tournaments. <laughs> that, yeah, a little bit of both. That's fair. Also, I just want to note, if Wizards does make this Timmy set with all of these giant rares, can it be draftable and can it be for all players? Because I'm in. Let, let's do this. I, honestly, I'm kind of hoping... So there, we're going to be visiting Akora like mm-hmm. land of behemoths later this year and i'm just like crossing my fingers that th- we get that we get like a set that's all just big beefy boys like the smallest creature is like a three four <laughs> yeah like no it's this is like the power creep of magic it's a yeah. modern legal set but like it's gonna be one mana five fives with no drawback they're just gonna change the scale of magic like like for 10 mana you get a 40 40 they just <laughs> It's it's not gonna like actually change the game. They're just really rescaling the power and toughness levels. They just saw all these Yu-Gi-Oh cards that are like, what is it? There's an eight thousand on this card. Magic should be able to do this. Too. They were uh, they yeah, were yeah. playing World of Warcraft and they they got to like level ninety and they're like, my life total is only fourteen million. Hmm. <laughs> I should bring this to Magic. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Oh man. Oh, it allows them to reprint some like all the cool stuff from like Naya back in uh, Shards of Lara, where it's like the power uh, matters cards, right? I'd love to see those reprinted, where it's like a creature power, five or greater, and play draw a card. Like, come on, we need those. Yeah, we we really had a good thing going there with those creature power, five or greater cards. Recently, they've kind of knocked it down to like four greater matters, or like four more toughness matters in the cons block, and it's like, no, just like pure beef. Beef. Just beef. Beef. Okay. I mean, we also, we also just got a ton of dinosaurs. We so did. So like... Those are pretty beefy boys. They were pretty beefy, but they weren't quite as beefy as those Naya, those Naya giants. We'll see what we'll see what Ikora brings us. All right, that's fair. We might have to have you that's back fair. for a, a special chonker edition of the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, something competitive note, real quick. Uh, Huey Jensen got in the semifinals for Pro Tour Venice in two thousand three with three Civilist Rogue Elemental in his deck. Really. Yeah. Okay. It was a it was a ramp deck. Hmm. It ran uh, explosive agitation, and um, wirewood elf. Of course. To help ramp, and it had of course exalted angel, which was great, and Akroma angel of wrath, and Daru sanctifier to kill astral slide uh, astral slides. Yeah, it was a. Uh, that's pretty cool. Pretty dope. That's super sweet. I mean, yeah. it is a big eight five trampler that's hard to kill. You basically have to exile. Yeah. So, so yeah. sort of the flavor yeah. of Silvos is that he was this this pit champion that had to fight the other pit champions did any of those other pit champions make it into the pro tour uh rorix was a big mm, one that's true 
because it was a six five hasty. Yeah, Rorix is Rorix is honestly my favorite one of this cycle. There's a one in every color. Rorix is definitely the coolest one. Has been reprinted a few times as well. I will say, though, this original art for Rorix is kind of iconic. I was glad when they reprinted it in Eternal Masters, where they gave it art where it actually looked like a tough dragon instead of this like little <laughs> pencil neck weird you know snake with wings uh, in defense of daryl rich again the morari was messing mm, with everything okay. yeah 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 so there we go so, like look at this it's funny because this is a six five you look at jareth you look at the white one he's a leonin titan he's like a giant or a cat giant it doesn't. He doesn't look like a cat giant in that drawing. Well, like that's not that's not some good perspective. He just needs some scale birds, is the answer there. That's but true. I, I love that <laughs> it's like the size of a normal house cat. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you can't tell though because there are no scale birds. I love uh, that the Marari did it is the excuse in the onslaught block. It's like. Oh, yeah. I don't, the flavor flea, this doesn't make sense. Oh, well, the Marari was messing things up. Yeah, so look, look at Jareth's proportions. <laughs> no one should have proportions like that, Jareth. Yeah, he, uh, his waist is a little too small. Also, does, he's got like a 30-pack, yeah. if you look at the art. He's got it's the body amazing. of like a Disney princess here. Look at that waistline. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like he's definitely doped. Yeah. Like that is some dopey. There's there's a like, lot of catnip to happening there. Took a took a hit <laughs> of the the Marari catnip. <laughs> oh man, I will be linking to this art in the show notes, and I might just make it my uh, profile picture on things for a while. It is aggressively. <laughs> you bad. should just Photoshop your face onto Jarrett's body. Uh, my body already looks like that, so <laughs> I should be in the hospital. <laughs> So, can I point out another art that's always bugging yes. me? So, Arcanus, the Omnipotent, mm-hmm. just looks like an edgelord. Like, always has, always will. He doesn't look badass. He looks like he tries too hard and he lives in his parents' basement since he was 16. Not a good look. He also looks like Jace. Do you think that's a coincidence? Ooh. Wow. There's a there's a mystery now. We gotta go in. There's some time travel shenanigans here we gotta check out. Questionable Arcanus. Arcanus. the Mind Sculptor. Hmm. What's another card that draws you three cards? Jace the Mind Sculptor. Mind oh sculptor. my. Oh, We've uncovered it. All right. This goes deep. We need to go. I need a, a cork board and some string ASAP. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm going deep in a magic wiki dive when we're done here. See if anybody else has <laughs> made this connection. Power rankings of the pit champions. It definitely goes Rorix, Vasara, Silvos, Arcanus, Jareth. From best to worst. My order is a little bit weird because of my uh, love for the format Momir Basic. Oh yeah. You roll sixes because you really want Vasara. Like that was the that was the six you're hoping to hit when you're when you're rolling your sixes. Or dragons. Like Or dra- like flyers in general, yeah, but yeah. Vasara was like yeah. the was like the dream one. Yeah, for sure. Vis- That's true. Vasara listeners, if you don't know, Vasara the Dreadful is three black 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 for a five five legendary Gorgon with flying. So it's a total beater. Except you don't often do a ton of attacking with it because it also taps to destroy a creature that can't be regenerated yep so that that's pretty reasonable uh i'm yep. gonna go visara arcanus silvos rorix jareth now Ooh. that is a very 2019 2020 view because rorix is now kind of outdated uh but i love visara and then arcanus you know drawing three cards i'm also putting the two that appear in uh world champ decks 
at the top. Oh, okay. So that's fair. Touche. 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 Um, so. I think I would. I would just in order. Um, Arcanus is definitely first for me. Drawing three cards is three cards is just way too powerful. <laughs> um, Vasara, Silvos, Rorix, Jareth. It's honestly, I want Rorix to be so much higher. I love Rorix as a card, but like, yeah. 6-5 haste isn't competing with isn't competing with all of the other value. That's true. I don't know. I just think it was I just remember this is my made my hazy memory. It was played a lot more back in the day. Like it was just another finisher with click with click slither, right? It was sure. that and Rorix were your top ends. So I just I always have hazy fond memories of that. So I think it, the 2019 one of the Sara is clearly better. But. Well, so we have all agreed that Jareth is last and that's the important thing. Oh yeah! Oh god, yeah! No, no, it's the it, he he's almost a, should be disqualified due to all the dope. So. <laughs> all right. So moving on from Silvos and friends in onslaught, what is your second card in your signature spellbook? Okay, this is the most basic answer for a red mage, but holy heck, do I love lightning bolt! Honestly, lightning bolt was the card that made me fall in love with red. It's um, maybe my it's my favorite card of all time, um, and I'm not alone in that. It was what the winner of the Magic bracket mm-hmm. considered mm-hmm. the best card of all time, um, and also uh, my favorite art is the M10 one, which interestingly has uh, male pronouns in the flavor text but a woman in the art not important <laughs> i love the art so much and as soon as i have money i'm i'm hopefully going to get a tattoo of that art or maybe the grand prix promo art which is also pretty cool Ooh, i just i really yeah. like the way that it just captures a lightning bolt it, it does and i like on this card that the lightning bolt is red which is just a nice little artistic touch so Listeners, I'm assuming at this point that you know, but Lightning Bolt is red for an instant, and it deals three damage to any target. We've talked about this card on the show before. It was in uh, Ryan Overturf's signature spellbook way back in episode four, the first one of these that we did. Um, but, you know, it's the most efficient removal spell legal in across formats, and it's iconic. From the first set of magic yeah. ever printed. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, they... This is one of those cards where, like, every time they do an alternative, an alternative version of it, you're always like, "It's just not bolt." Like, what are we doing here? Like, lightning strikes not bolt. You know, like, what, why are we bothering? Any burn is something that I love, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more later. But um, are we going to do power rankings for for this cycle as well? Oh God, no! That's that's a uh, where does ancestral recall no. fall on the boot? I told you, here? drawing three is the best no, ability. No. It's just the best. Oh no, you're you're. It's it's a little different when it only costs one blue. That's right. Let's let's be fair. Yeah. Ancestral Recall is that Jace too? Like, yes. That could also be Jace. Yeah. Yeah. It's dead. Jace is the Alpha Wait. and the Omega. He's always been with us, and he always will be. Wait. Quick question about the bolt tattoo. Where would you put it? I want I want like a half sleeve. Honestly, I've been looking for this and I can't find it. One of the pre-release packs had this really cool art of uh, the, had a really cool like fading effect it wasn't like it was just like the edges of the art sort of blended off in a mm-hmm. specific way which i really liked and i haven't been able to find that but i like i know what the effect looks like and i've been trying to find it but it would be a half sleeve um it would just kind of wrap around it doesn't need to be the whole art 
Uh, and honestly, if it's squished a little bit, that's super cool. I just, I want to get, I would like to get the bolt and the mage in some way or another on my arm. Now, do you have any yeah. tattoos now, or would this be a first tattoo? I have one tattoo. Uh, I love my single tattoo that I have right now. It says that I, it's a, it's a medical alert on my wrist. And it says I'm diabetic type one, and it's got a, you know, caduceus. Yeah. Oftentimes, okay. uh, Falsely, people use the the, the Asclepius, mm. which is not a medical symbol. Come on, people, uh, get it together, world. Some symbol <laughs> of messengers. Ugh. But uh, I love this tattoo. I love this tattoo because you meet people who are just like some for whatever reason morally opposed to tattoos. They're like, like how how could you permanently scar your body? Nothing is permanent. Like. They're not nihilists until you bring up tattoos, and then then they are. <laughs> but uh, my reaction that when I show this to people is you see this cognitive dissonance. They're like, this is a tattoo, but it's it's like a useful tattoo. Like, if he's passed out on the side of the road, like... They're going to want to see this tattoo. The, the EMTs are going to need that. So to deal with this cognitive dissonance, people will, like say really dumb things and my favorite question i ever got was well what if they cure your diabetes like that was a downside like yeah. having this tattoo <laughs> was a was a downside on the the world where they cured my diabetes i was like you know i think i could live with this tattoo i think i think that would be okay like in their that's where their brain went <laughs> Wow. I would like an S checkmate diabetes. <laughs> I would like an aesthetic tattoo rather than a rather than a functional one though. That's fair. Yes, <laughs> Sam, what is the third card in your signature spellbook? So the third card was a feature of my favorite standard deck of all time, uh, Junt, and it is Bituminous Blast. Alright, so Bituminous Blast was an uncommon from Alara Reborn. Three black red for an instant. It has cascade, so when you cast it, you reveal cards for the top of your library, and to you can exile a non-lad card that costs less, and then you can cast that without paying its mana cost. Then you put all the other cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. And the card actually does something. It's not just you get to cast uh, four drop or less for free. It deals four damage to a creature. Which, dealing four doesn't seem like a lot, but it was my favorite standard deck, and kind of the time that I discovered the idea of, like, value. Yes. It, and that whole deck was, a, like, a value deck. It was the scourge of standard until until Cobblade came out. But, like, it was this, like, incredible deck that would dominate. You had Terminate at 2 mana, Blightning at 3 mana, Bloodbraid Elf at 4 mana. And then some of the earlier versions were playing this, this Bit Blast. And you would play Bituminous Blast. You would... Cascade into a Bloodbraid Elf, which would cascade into a Blightning, and there was no better feeling for five mana, uh, killing a creature, getting a three-two haste, dealing three damage to them, and making them discard two cards. It was a what like five for one. Oh yeah, which oh my god, that was the whole deck. I I considered putting Broodmate Dragon on this list as well, <laughs> which was another card that made appearances in that deck which was just two dragons for six mana <laughs> yeah why not oh god seems good 
Uh, yeah, Cascade is certainly a powerful, wonderful ability. It's something we've talked about a lot. As we talk to people about their own magic history, inevitably a Cascade card works its way in there because everybody has a story about cascading into something awesome. That deck sounds absolutely incredible. It's what got me into magic. Any sort of competitive magic was that deck because uh, I didn't make it because I wanted to win, but I found the cards for it, and then I played it in my casual friend group, and I never lost. I, my record was, like, a 100 and 0. They, they kept putting decks together to try and beat the Jun deck. And when I put it together, I wasn't, like, net decking. I had originally just was like, oh, wow, these Cascade cards. And then someone was like, well, you should try this Brewmaker. And before long, I was, like, playing a, a standard deck. Like, I was playing the standard deck, but I got there pretty organically. So my two cents about this is that if you look at any standard legal Jun deck from this era, it pretty much looks like the modern version of this deck, just without some of the ridiculous Planeswalkers. But this was legal at the same time Thoughtseize was initially. Yes. Just absurd. I, which, oh, I wasn't actually playing it during that point. I started playing slightly after that. This, and it was really Bloodbraid Elf, but Bituminous Blast didn't help either. They uh, were the reason Jace didn't do well until they rotated. Like, once mm-hmm. they rotated, they're like, well, yeah, we have nothing to stop this card. It went from um, one busted deck to another busted deck. There was, very, there was like, nothing in between there. Man, oh, nothing. The yeah. dark ages when they had to ban cards from standard. I wonder what that's like. <laughs> yeah, I know. What a, what a world. So I do want to find this deck. Cedric Phillips played the all-cascade deck for Alara block. Hmm. You just played literally every single cascade card, and it ended at Blighton. Yeah, were you playing cards like Enlisted Worm? Or was yeah. yeah, okay, so you're just like five color cascade nonsense. Yeah, it did well. It was pretty stupid. So from Bituminous Blast to your number four card. Yes. My number four card is Brimstone Volley. It's an all star from my favorite limited format of all time, which was Innistrad. Um but I like like all of the cards on this list, there's a story attached to it. And um this was the the card that kind of got me into taking magic seriously and thinking about magic critically uh you can say what the card is sure so it's two and a red for an instant and it deals three damage to any target so so far it's an expensive lightning bolt but it has morbid so if a creature died this turn it deals five damage to any target flaw damage and so at this point when this card came out i had been playing magic for a long time but i i hadn't really gotten into it competitively yet i had like i said my standard legal deck was a casual deck with my friends but uh brimstone volley came out while i was studying abroad in madrid and i went to this local game shop in madrid where i didn't know anyone but i really wanted to play some magic and i didn't lose a game and i went back the next day and I drafted again, and I didn't lose a game. And I was kind of thinking to myself, like, why is it that I'm not losing? And it's, it was because I was I was correctly learning how to draft. I was learning how to play limited, which was something that I had been doing casually in my, like, college clubs. I was sort of getting a sense of that. But this was the first time I'd, like, really got into playing it in person. And I remember that winter break, my girlfriend at the time and I went to Florida together on vacation to visit her family. And I spent most of the time inside drafting Innistrad on Magic Online. (laughs) 
it's safe to say that relationship did not last. I mean, it did, actually. It lasted for five years, but that's a whole nother story. Wow. That's truly degenerate for something that you love, and I have no criticism whatsoever. After that, like, magic became a serious, like, a serious hobby. It wasn't just something I did for fun. It was something that I, like, worked to get better at. As you mentioned, it did a lot of work in that draft format. Like, you played in any red deck you played, but sometimes it was the best card in your draft format. It was draft you almost always the best card in your red decks. So, like, there were very yeah. rare conditions. Like, there were a few rares that were better, but in general, the cool thing about Innistrad was that the rares and the the um, commons and uncommons, they didn't feel like one card was just better than all the others. You had synergy cards that worked in your deck, and that's the reason people liked that draft format. Oh, yeah. But it was definitely one of those cards. Even if you're playing the red-blue um, flashback. Yeah, Burning Vengeance. You know, uh, archetype. Burning Vengeance. You still played this. Like, you played this. Yeah, this yeah. Is just it's, just, it's so good. The art on it, too. This is just absolutely beautiful art. Ever since I saw this spoiled and I drafted Innistrad, like, this is one of my favorite arts in Innistrad. Yeah, interestingly, the artist here, Eitan, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. It's E-Y-T-A-N, Zana, Z-A-N-A. He's done a bunch of different cards, but they're predominantly lands. And he's got some great lands. He did a bunch of Golgari lands. He's done all of the Golgari guild gates. And he also did the super excellent art for the Invocation Entomb. Oh, yeah. Say what you want about the Amiket Invocations. We certainly have, but the Entomb is a beautiful piece of art. Okay. So we're going to keep we're going to keep talking about three mana cards. So this next one it's a classic artifact, right? Yes, it is Coalition Relic. And let's not get into the lore of the coalition, but um <laughs> don't worry, not of Orthos podcast. <laughs> uh but the card Coalition Relic kind of represents a shift in my um my magic personality. I mainly before this identified as a red player and i still identify as a red player but red happens to be one of the five colors there are two types of decks i like to play they are red decks or five color decks and there's like very little in between that i really want to play red green's okay but like red five color those are the two decks so four color is out no i mean i'll play four colors but like would you play four colors if red was the one you didn't play? No. Okay. Just I will want not. to be clear. I will not. So, okay, okay. Coalition yeah, Relic is a three-mana artifact, originally rare from Future Sight. It did get a reprint in Masters 25 that was much needed. Uh, it taps for a mana of any color, and then it also taps to put a charge counter on it. And then at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, you remove all charge counters on it and add one mana of any color for each charge counter removed this way. So it can ramp you on a given turn, or you can get this basically free mana the next turn and then tap it for mana as well. So you're kind of ramping two mana on a particular turn if you want to. This card is awesome. It's an all-star first pick in every cube draft I ever do. If I see it, I slam it. I don't really... I could, like, be mono-red in pack one and then see this pack two slam it, and then figure out how to fit some of those red cards into my now five-color deck. Nice. <laughs> it's, a, it's a spicy one. Uh, my question is, has anyone tried to proliferate it when it's had a charge counter on it? That seems like it could be productive. Get you a little extra mana. I mean, proliferate's so busted, maybe you're just doing better things with it, but... Yeah, what what is, like, 
is this the point of the deck is that you're proliferating coalition relic i feel like that's a a little bit too much work for just a tiny bit of value it's like a nice to have like, you know like yeah. sure an extra mana it just sounds like you guys have limited imaginations you need mm-hmm. to go big i do have a limited what? imagination i'm not much of a constructed player oh. it's all limited <laughs> oh i uh one of my first commander decks was a uh, voral of the whole clade that doubled counters on a particular permanent but the point of the deck was to uh, use a charge counters on artifacts, move charge counters around. And so this was one way to do it. I ended up, you know, occasionally getting a bunch of counters on this. I've done it. Yeah. It's underwhelming. So for people who are doing this in cube, if you see a coalition relic, pack one, pick one, what type of cards do you draft around it to make it truly five color? Because, like, obviously you can't support five color alone on coalition. Fetch relic. lands and fetchable duels. Yeah. Nothing else matters. Ah, <laughs> got it. Okay, okay. It was definitely a cube level up for me when I learned that, oh, I should just be taking the fetchable duels and the fetch lands super, 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 super highly. And other powerful stuff will, like, come around because it's cube. Yeah, because everything's powerful, but the like there are some exceptions to that. Like sure. if you're mono red, you need sulfuric vortex. Yeah, yeah. But ideally, you're reading no. signals correctly, and like if you are mono red, you don't really care about lands anyway. Right. So then this is what I call the cons block draft, where you just take any land that produces more than one type of mana, <laughs> and then you just pick you play with whatever's left over. Cons block, huh? I would love to talk some more about cons block. Well, let's transition into cons block then. The next card on your list is one I love, but it is extremely not red. I'm I'm really curious. It is red, though. It is red. Okay, I'm curious. Please (laughs) please tell me. Please tell me. (laughs) Because it it is a five color card. Very important to note that the way that I drafted this card was exclusively in five color decks. Fair. And this is kind of the point where I decide where with with Innistrad. I'll I'll tell you the card in a second. But with Innistrad, I was learning how to draft well. I was learning what are the good decks: Travel Prep, Spider Spawning, Burning Vengeance. Those are the good decks. You play the good decks. With Cons of Turk here, I started to learn that I could draft the decks that I want to draft, and still both have fun and be successful. Mm-hmm. And uh, the card on my list is Villainous Wealth. Um, and honestly, I feel Ooh. like I feel like Villainous Wealth describes the way that I drafted uh, Cons <laughs> of Turk here. <laughs> it was like, why can't I hold all these cards? Too many good cards. Like uh, Christian, you were saying, you pick tricolored lands. My pick order for that format was pretty much Villainous Wealth, tricolored lands dual colored lands and then some good stuff below like it didn't really matter like once you were in you know you take every morph card because you just have infinite colors of mana it doesn't matter oh yeah and so Uh, villainous wealth is a red card okay in the sense that the only decks i was playing it in were also playing red i'm willing to accept that provisionally so villainous wealth is x black green blue for a sorcery target opponent exiles the top x cards of their library you may cast any number of non-land cards with converted mana cost x or less from among them without paying their mana costs this is one of my favorite cards of all time it was in my signature spell book i have a whole commander deck built around casting the biggest possible villainous wealth and then you know if you don't win recasting villainous wealth so just 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 love it my favorite thing in this draft format was milling them out with Villainous Wealth. I would oftentimes, 
and this is goes back into like playing magic how I want to play it. I would oftentimes like have a turn where I could cast it for so much value. But if I waited three more turns, I could mill them out. And like, even though their deck probably had more value in it just by casting the card, I wanted to like, you know, add insult to injury here. (laughs) Critical. I played a Villainous Wealth deck in that standard for a while. It was basically mono green splashing Villainous Wealth. And with Nykthos and Devotion, you could cast one big enough to just exile every card from their library, cast none of them, and then pass the turn. How are you playing a Nykthos in your three-color deck? Because it was uh, almost mono-green, and you had Fetchlands. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, did you also play Sylvan Karyatid? Yeah, I was going to say, you're playing Karyatid, which really fixes the mana. Also, I mean, I guess there's another blue card, Kiora's Follower, because you had to untap your Nykthos and then use it again. Oh, right, yeah. All I'm going to say is just reprint it in standard, you cowards. Put it in Core Set 2021. Like, what are we waiting for? Villainous Wealth in every set? It needs to be in standard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm here for that. What if they reprinted Uh, it, but it was was at Mythic? Uh, I'm still in. Okay, cool. I'm into it. So speaking of expensive cards that end games, what is the next card in your signature spell? Honestly, this card has no story. It's just my favorite card. <laughs> so, wait, what is it? It is Mir... Mir? I, you know, I've never known how to say it. Uh, Mir is correct. Yes. Mir Battlesphere. It rhymes. It does. The art has a giant ball of robots rolling towards you. <laughs> it's seven mana for a four seven that makes a bunch of little robots for you. Yeah. The <laughs> robots yeah. burn the opponent somehow. There's some like robots flying off of this ball. The flavor feels like it's flinging these robots at you, but at the same time they don't die. None of it makes sense to no. me. It doesn't make any sense, but I love it. And I will pick it in cube drafts almost all the time. This is a card that has a lot of text and thus doesn't have room for the flavor text it so desperately needs to explain to us. Like, are they just falling off? Are they jumping off? Is it shooting them? It's Katamari Damasi. It's just there's some, like, one mirror in the back pushing it <laughs> and collecting mirror. That's that's how this works. Like, there's three in the front to guard it and then the one in the back. The set was kind of like the Mirren versus the Phyrexians. What I love about this, I'm just imagining you go to war and they've got these giant, like, praetors. They've got these awesome, venomous beings. And you've just got, like, this feels like Star Wars, the Clone Wars. You remember those the scene where the, the droids run into battle mm-hmm. and they look so dumb? Yeah. I yeah. love yeah. it. I think it's so funny. I just think it is so funny. It is my favorite card. So as Sam mentioned, oh. Mirror Battlesphere is a seven-mana artifact. It's a four-seven. It's a mirror construct, and when it enters the battlefield, you get four 1-1 colorless mirror artifact creature tokens. And then here's the critical piece. When mirror battlesphere attacks, you may tap X untapped mirror you control. And if you do, mirror battlesphere gets plus X plus O until end of turn, which, okay, fine, it's already 4-7. But it also deals X damage to the player or planeswalker it's attacking. So if you just get enough mirror, you just, like, bang right in the face. The critical part of that, so there was a bunch of mirror they printed in the set so you could tap your other mirror mm. that you drafted with mirror battlesphere it also killed jaces not very frequently but it did enough you know you tapped enough mirror kill it bopped a jace and then you know you got a bunch of fuller's mirrors afterwards pretty great. my favorite is that if you play a mirror battlesphere and then the next turn you play another mirror battlesphere mm-hmm. you can tap 
the other mirror battle sphere <laughs> to add it to the first mirror battle like flavorfully it's like a snowman of mer ba- like if you have three <laughs> mer battle spheres it's like a giant robot snowman barreling towards you that's a wonderful <laughs> mental image and i really appreciate it well so unlike a lot of cards on this list i mean aside from lightning bolt certainly this card has a lot of history of competitive play it's still heavily played in vintage in mud decks, so-called mud decks, thanks to the fact that they can play, you know, for Mistress Workshop or whatever. So it's pretty easy to <laughs> run out there pretty early. <laughs> mud, by the way, I, I get asked about this every time I mention this deck. It's M-U-D. It's always in capital letters. And so people assume it's an acronym. It's not. It's just a term that was used by people who played the deck because it was so-called mono-brown when artifacts used to have brown frames. And so they just looked like mud. That's all. Yep. And it was also a dirty deck. It's a dirty, it's a dirty, dirty, deck. dirty deck. Yeah, you know, turn one, you play Mishra's Workshop, you play like a Metal Worker or whatever. Turn two, you just dump a Mirror Battle Sphere or, you know, play a Mishra's Workshop and a Mox. After you get your Metal Worker mana, throw out a couple more Mirror Battle Spheres. A <laughs> giant ball of robots. 100% my new magic goal is to get three Mirror Battle Sphere on the battlefield at the same time. <laughs> I'm here for it. So on to the last card in your signature spell book. I knew we were not going to get out of here today without talking about this card, and I'm super happy about it. Sam, what are we closing with? We are closing with um, Munda Ambush Leader. Munda! As with all of these cards, it has a story. Okay, minus the Mer Battle Sphere. That's sure. just a big beefy chonk boy, but we're gonna, we're just going to... Munda, on the other hand, is a card that... it the, the joke is kind of old, and my friends don't do it as much, but... Munda is a card that my friends would hide for each other. And uh, specifically me and maybe my best friend in the world, Greg Michael, would like have gone to pretty great lengths to hide Mundas for each other. I'm going to give a couple of stories because I think they're, they're, the Munda stories, they, they go deep. They go deep. So deep. Greg's always been better at it than I have been. Um, he has had practice. Him and his coworkers play a similar game with Saltines. But uh, one time I was on vacation. Uh, I was living with my parents at that time when I wasn't on vacation. Greg contacted them, went into my bedroom while I was on vacation, and lined my ceiling with Munas. Well, when I say lined, it was more like, you know, those stars, the like glow in the dark stars. He like tackied like a hundred Munas onto my ceiling. And, you know, that's like the least the least of the mudas. So I got him back by this yeah. one while he was on vacation. We unmade his bed and lined his mattress with the exact same mudas and then remade his bed with the mudas under it. So when he got home at like one in the morning from his vacation, went to go sleep in bed, he lies down, bam, munda. <laughs> but one time they, they went to my favorite restaurant and they were like, Sam, we got you a burrito. They had unwrapped the burrito and stuck a munda inside the burrito and that's not even the best one my favorite one of all was uh one time i was hooking up with a woman got real deep into her bra and what was there greg had bribed her ahead of time to put a munda in her bra uh, that is so next level. 
Um, my God. I'm not going to read this card. The text does not matter. Perfect. All you need to know is yeah. that it's a rare from Battle for Zendikar. And if you want to buy one, don't go to the Twin Cities because most of the local stores are out. <laughs> we did go around, Greg and I. Like, you could tell if Greg had been to a store before I had been to the store because they were like, oh, I thought we had some of these trash rares. It looks like we're all out. And apparently Greg had the same experience looking for Mundas, so... It's a problem. Uh, Find the Munda is an enjoyable game that you guys introduced me to at a couple of uh, Grand Prix that we were at, and, you know, I really enjoyed it. Another good one for me was Andrew Ellenbogue. We were playing a game of Skull, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a great card game. Oh, yeah. It's a deception game. Yeah. And we were playing it with magic cards instead of the actual Skull set. And Andrew Ellenbogen spent about five minutes ranting to us explaining the logic for why matt sicking johnson would always lay a skull first and why obviously he's always gonna lay a skull first and uh kind of the point of this though was to mind game matt into not playing a skull little did andrew know we had replaced matt's skull card with a munda and so andrew was (laughs) expecting to not flip up a skull at all instead of flipping up a skull or a not skull he flipped up a munda which was really great to like rub it in his face like he was wrong about matt in the first place but also like oh no (laughs) (laughs) there was one one time at a hotel i i I came to the hotel with a stack of 20 mundas and i hid 20 mundas in the hotel room my favorite one was i hid one in matt's deodorant but you couldn't see it until you unscrewed the deodorant a little bit. Wow. And, like, a month later, we went to another tournament, and the Mundo was there. Like, he was still using that deodorant, and the Mundo was just, like, in the... That can't be sanitary. He probably smelled Mundo fresh. (laughs) (laughs) Which, if you look at the art on the card, is probably not very fresh. No. So, I do have a gameplay question for you. We know we're returning to Zendikar. We could see Munda again. This Munda was pretty bad, you know, which made it easy to acquire many of them. Is there anything you want from a new Munda? I want him to just reprint it at Uncommon. (laughs) Exactly the same. It could be an Uncommon, honestly. I just want it at Uncommon so that I can, like, dig through the chaff piles at Grand Prix and just find (laughs) all of the Mundas that people have thrown out. Well, we're doing a lot of legendary creatures at Uncommon, so you've got a chance. My goodness, that is a great way to close it out. Before we recap, I just want to note that none of these cards are from your Pro Tour run when when you finished in the semifinals at Pro Tour Ixalan. Normally, when we have signature spellbooks, people kind of give us the list of cards, and there's always one that's, this is the big tournament I did really well at. Was there a decision process there for you? Yeah, so my ultimate goal with Magic, for competitive Magic, was to one day qualify for a Pro Tour. And I went above and beyond that. But Magic has been a hobby, and it will continue and will always be a hobby for me. And so when I think about the cards that like brought me tournament success, they don't really define my, my Magic experience. I care more about the Mundas of Magic, the cards that bring people together and those stories, like talking about how high school Magic was for me, talking about playing Magic in Spain, just enjoying enjoying the game. I care so much more about, I don't want to say the fun of it, because people really like competing. Sure. But for me, I care a lot more about 
playing the game than I do about winning. So the the cards that brought me success are way less important than the cards that I love. Well, that's awesome. I've always thought of you. You're a kind person. Thank great you. to play magic with. I think anybody who has played with you will agree with that. I, but I've always thought of you as kind of that person who's fun to play with, who also happens to be super skilled, instead of yeah. the person who's a cutthroat spike who also happens to be good to play with. That part is very forward, and I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you saying that. Actually, the first time I played against Christian was an incredibly fun match. <laughs> It was. Uh, it was super fun. But it was one of those situations where, with Magic, the connections are a lot more fun than the mm-hmm. game for me. Um, and I've made a lot of friends. I've visited people in other countries that I've met through Magic, which is, like, yeah. kind of a cool thing. And it's funny, because the thing I always remember about playing you, too, is that when we did that, so context, Sam and I first met at Grand Prix New York in 2017. New Jersey. Well, I think they called it New York, right? It would no, it was well, it was New it Jersey. Was New Jersey. It, it was the it was the Meadowlands, right? It it's was that Meadowlands, yeah. yeah. So it was the final draft for day two, and I come and sit down, and you were very friendly, and you were like, "Hey, you know, oh, what's your record? How's it going?" And you're like, "Oh, this is really cool." And then when we sat down, I was like, "Oh, this is great. I'm glad we got to finally play." And then we found out, you know, we both know Dave and. The rest is history. Yeah. I'm glad I got to meet you and actually play you. I recall getting a great selfie of the two of you with big grins on your face. I will always... One of my favorite things to do is when I meet someone and I, like, somehow rabbit hole into someone else we know, non-context selfies with people is one of my favorite things. You always get a response back like, what the hell? Like, how do you know this person? How do we know each other? Well, and a couple years later, here we all are, uh, two of us in my basement and Christian in a little corner of our screen talking to us. All right, well, a quick recap of Sam's signature spellbook. It's Silvas Rogue Elemental, Lightning Bolt, Bituminous Blast, Brimstone Volley, Coalition Relic, Villainous Wealth, Mirror Battlesphere, and Munda Ambush Leader. Thank you. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed sharing those. As I was going through this list, I thought of more cards I might put on it. But again, it was like cards that brought me tournament success more right. than anything else. And I just, again, think, no, I don't need to put Glorybringer on it. I don't need to put stuff like that. <laughs> Although Glorybringer is a fitting card to bring me tournament yeah, success. That, that is, that is true. And, you know, I feel like anybody who does a signature spell book, Glorybringer is just kind of implied. <laughs> you know? That should be the background art for the boxes, right? Yeah. Before we go, I actually want to extend a little bit here and do two different things. First, you've been doing coverage at some Grand Prix, and yeah. I really enjoyed it. Tell us a little bit about that. How did that come about? So it's, it's only been text coverage, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I But for me, I really like writing, and I, I've enjoyed the social media aspect of it. Uh, it has to do with the fact that it's all about the connections, and, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I don't want to say anything dumb, like the positive energy you put out into the world. No, it's about the people you know and the way that you present yourself. And it's one of those things where you always have to remember who you're talking to when you're talking to them and that those connections might end up in a job. And I, it's because I knew Maria and they needed someone to cover Minneapolis and I live in Minneapolis and they needed someone who would be excited to do social media for a weekend. And I was like, me, <laughs> me, <laughs> talk to me. me. And I did a great job. So they hired me back to do Indianapolis and they can, cons- they were going to hire me for Atlanta, but I was busy. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just like a lot of cool opportunities. And I, I'm going to hopefully be able to do it again. The, the second time around was actually tougher than the first time because it was a team tournament. Sure. And oh, that yeah. was tricky. 
One of the things I have really enjoyed is your one-minute deck text. Oh, my God. I need to get a steadier camera for those. Oh, yeah, like, they're they're great, though. It's just like one-minute deck tech on the offbeat decks. Yeah. yeah. The offbeat decks, though, are the ones that people that people want to try because everyone's seen Burn five million times. Yeah. Everyone's seen Jund five million times. It's the decks. Turbo Frog was my favorite one. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Which was, oh, God. I'll give that a chef's kiss. That gets its... That gets its own chef kiss. It's just the really cool decks that people put together that are unique to them. It's really cool to highlight the individuality that people can bring to magic. I feel like that's one of the things, and that general attitude is something you've brought to covers that's very uniquely you. I appreciate it. Is there anything else that's kind of your general philosophy that you want to bring to text coverage? Yes. Find ways to talk to people. Because the people, like, I want to, a lot of text coverage, it feels like, is very, no offense to people, other people who do it. In fact, I actually think Corbin is incredible at writing about people. And he actually wrote an article about me, which is, like, what got me excited about writing about magic, because I kind of wanted to emulate his style, Mm -hmm. Corbin Hostler, that is. But talking to people is something that I think coverage could do more of, because what people have to say is oftentimes just as interesting as the tournament itself, in my opinion. With video coverage, you have to switch up the feature matches because people tend to get sick of the same deck Mm -hmm. over and over and over. But with just text coverage, you've got this cool feature where you get to cheer for someone playing it. You don't get to see what the decks are, and so you can't get sick of the deck. You just get to celebrate a player on a win streak, on like a 10-round win streak. Like That's exciting. You get to see, wow, this person, is going to win another one. They're going to win another one. And we saw that with Allie Warfield in Indianapolis. Her team with Chad Harney and John Hobbs, they were in the feature match a lot during day one and a lot during day two, and they just crushed it and crushed it and crushed it, and then they made the top four. And it's interesting you say that because, honestly, you don't remember the very rote, like, John Finkel, okay, everyone remembers Finkel Maher 2000 Worlds. It's actually a classic text coverage match. But, like, there's a lot less of those that are memorable. And it's more about Brian David Marshall did one with it was two guys who hated each other, basically, <laughs> and who were diametrically opposed. And I'll be a little vulgar here because this, this is what the round ended on. This one guy's very mouthy, the other guy's very silent but cool, and they just hate each other. And at the end, he goes, Okay, I'm just going to go take a sh-. Like, that was it. <laughs> but I, I, I always remember that because it's so, like, well-written, but it's just not your standard, oh, he played a Goblin Welder turn one, and then he thought about it and played a Grim Monolith, and it's like, who cares? It's more about the personalities. When I was in yeah. the feature match area of the first pro tour I was at, I uh, definitely had a great time talking to my opponents. When I was sitting across from Mike Sigrist in the, the top eight, I told a story about a time that I had a, that a EMT took me on a date. And by that, I mean, I'll tell you this story now because I think it's hilarious and you can edit it out if you'd like. <laughs> but I was walking one time and I felt kind of woozy. So I tested my blood sugar because I'm diabetic, as I've mentioned. And my meter, instead of giving me a number, it just said low. Which, you know you're f- when your your meter just says low so i didn't know what to do i was a ways away from any food um i was walking to work and i just sat down and i called 911 and i knew it would be expensive but i didn't want to die so but they got there and they were like we need to take you to the hospital we need to see you eat food they gave me like a sugar packet to like make me not die in the moment but they're like we need to make sure you get food that like legally and i was like please don't drive me anywhere 
please don't drive me anywhere. The moment you drive me somewhere, I got to spend more money. And I was like, I am a poor graduate student. I cannot afford to go anywhere. And he's like, look, man, I get it. Here's what we're going to do. So he turns on the siren, drives the wrong way down the street, pulls up the wrong way in front of a Jimmy John's. Sirens blaring. The whole squad of EMTs, him and the other two, we all hop out of the car and we all go into Jimmy John's and get Jimmy John's together. But why do I say he took me on a date? I went to pay for my food and he like did the thing where he pushed my hand on and he was like, no, I've been where you are. It's okay. And he bought my Jimmy John's. So not only, and then I got the bill later on. They only charged me for the like showing up and the like the glucose tax. They didn't charge me for the, for the speeding trip to a Jimmy John's to park the wrong way to go inside and eat sandwiches. But I told this story. Um, And of course the judges and Mike and like a lot of people are there and can hear this story. And I just like, I heard someone who definitely had a headphone on laughing from like, a ways away <laughs> who I just like heard this whole story. That's awesome. That's fantastic. I mean, it's both a touching story and another reason where it's like, can we please fix our healthcare system, please? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But talking to people is good. And I kind of like, I wish even if there isn't video coverage, it would be really cool to have two coverage people to have someone like taking care of the behind the scenes and like doing the main tournament and then someone else covering interviewing players from the MCQs and interviewing players mm-hmm and dealers, and art people. And I feel like if they're trying to make these magic fests like a mini convention kind of thing, right? right? The best way to do that is to really highlight the fact that it's not just people playing magic. Who are trying to make it to the Pro Tour. Right. right? In Minneapolis, you were very harried. You had a lot going on. Yes. And and that's how it is. In fact, it's like a pressure cooker. It's like one weekend of nonstop work. And I I take breaks when I can, but... I didn't eat lunch. Um, I had my friends get me lunch at like five in the afternoon. <laughs> I was going to say, next time we're at a GP like that and you're doing text coverage, shoot me a text. I'll bring you some lunch. We'll I, honestly, yes. everybody would. I just, it's one of those yeah. things where I get so into what I'm doing that it's very difficult to take time to even text someone. We, we just don't want you to have to get run to a Jimmy John's. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. <laughs> Last thing on coverage I want to mention, small rant maybe. Yes, we all miss video coverage of every GP. But the text coverage has been great. I think there are a lot of people who let their complaints about not having video coverage every weekend kind of drown out the work that's being done. And so do go check out the text coverage, especially when Sam's doing it. I may be a little biased. Also, honestly, it's, it's nice. Corbin Hostler, like, yeah, he's go great. look for any article by Corbin Hostler, especially he the ones where he writes about people because he captures what people love about magic sort of emanating from people like he finds a way to write about people such that he can show their love of magic and i I really like that about him yep and his coverage as well and and the more we go and we read those things and we support them and we talk about them the easier it becomes for the people who are kind of internal to that business to justify hey let's make sure we're doing this let's do it deeper let's do it better let's do it at more tournaments and so on and so forth so i wish they would make it a little easier to find sometimes but it's getting better and hopefully uh that will continue when i was doing coverage i was was like I wasn't even linking to the coverage page for the tournament. I was just like, if you like to see coverage, go to ch- coverage.channelfireball.com. And I every time I could paste that somewhere, I would paste coverage.channelfireball.com. Easy enough. Um, so I mentioned during the introductions, you love chaos drafts. And so I prepared a little thing. I grabbed a couple of packs 
from my random box of packs. Ooh. And I'll lay them out here. So I've got, let's see, Hour of Devastation, Dominaria, Return to Ravnica, Battle Bond, Ultimate Masters, and Iconic Masters. So a bunch of interesting choices. If you had to pick one of these to start a Chaos Draft, which one would you pick and why? Um, it does I think there's sort of two schools of thought here. You either pick the most powerful pack because you want your most powerful rares to be in the colors that you're in. So mm-hmm. you have a good sense of where to go. So I would start with probably Ultimate Masters, which had just the strongest rares of these six. But then there's also sort of the school of thought. You want your multicolor cards to define your draft. Because if you open a bomb multicolor card, then you know, it's you're more likely to get a monocolored rare that you can slot into a deck. So I would actually say I think I want to pack one, pick one, this return to Ravnica. And in okay. like multicolor rares are not something you would usually first pick, but with chaos drafting, you kind of need to be a lot more open to forcing than you are in in a normal draft format. Being open is good, but if you open a bomb two-color card, those bombs are the bread and butter of your chaos draft. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, so let's crack open this pack of Return to Ravnica and do a quick, what are you taking, pack one, pick one, if this is a chaos draft? Okay. So we'll we'll go through, and I'll you know power through some of the cards really quickly uh, because we're probably getting to the end. So the first card is Catacomb Slug. That's four and a black for a two-six. Probably out on that. Uh, survey the wreckage uh, four and a red for a sorcery destroy a land make a one one red goblin token. wow a card that references a goblin that is not a goblin yeah uh, probably yeah. out on that then we have axe bane stag six and a green for a six seven well we got some vanilla creatures going on here I would actually so I'm, this is the front of the pack right now for yep. me like a six seven vanilla is it's not what I want but it's playable next up is deviant glee black for an aura enchanted creature gets plus two plus one and has red this creature gets trample until end of turn is this massacre girl in the art no I think that's exava exava okay I like that I'd like that more than axe stag just like I am a big fan of aggressive decks in chaos formats mm-hmm. and this is a very strong aggressive card next is courses accord four green white for a sorcery put a 3-3 three, three green centaur creature token on the battlefield, and then populate. So at the worst, it's two 3-3s. Three, I'd consider it. Are you, yeah. You're still on Deviant Glee, yeah. though. You're, you're uh, I, wanna, I want Deviant Glee so far. Okay. Next is Essence Backlash, two blue-red for an instant. Counter-target creature spell. Essence Backlash deals damage equal to that spell's power to its controller. Ooh, that's a hot one. I'm moving like this Deviant one. Glee out of the way. Oh, sorry. I'm moving this Essence Backlash out of the way, too. Because <laughs> our next card is Stab Wound. Two and a nope. black for a uh, creature aura. Enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets minus two, minus two. At the beginning of the upkeep of Enchanted Creature's controller, that player loses two life. That card's just a straight-up bomb in every format. This is the card that I'm picking so far. Okay. Yeah, that's a Mythic Common, right? Yes. Like, I mean, on. there's another Mythic Common coming up. There is. It's a Knightly Valor. Four and a white for a creature aura, or you enchant a creature. It gets plus two, plus two, and vigilance. And then when this enters the battlefield, you get a two-two white knight creature token with vigilance. Also good. I, I'm on stab wound. I'm still on oh, stab wound. Okay. That's a tough one, but I still think it's stab. Next is giant spider. I mean, towering Indric. Three and a green for a two-four with reach. Huh. Are you sure giant spider wasn't? No. So we have nine commons. Yeah, I mean, there's a foil? a foil in this pack. Ooh, let's see. Ooh. That'll be exciting. Uh, next one is an uncommon Savage Surge. One and a green for an instant target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Untap that creature. That's a fine trick, but not better than Stab Wound. 
Then we have Rakdos Key Rune, three mana artifact that taps for black or red. You can also pay black red to make it a 3-1 black and red devil artifact creature with first strike until end of turn. I want this card to wheel. Yes. I'm not going to first pick it, but this is like, the, yeah. there's no way it wheels. But like, this is the card that when I open this pack, I'm like, wow, I hope the people in this chaos draft don't know how to draft because I really want this Key Rune back. <laughs> you could definitely be getting Deviant Glee back. Yeah. Next uncommon, one we've talked about in our Flying Men show. It's Judge's Familiar. It's an Azorius oh. mana, so a white or a blue for a 1-1 one, one flyer, and you can sacrifice it to counter an instance or sorcery unless its controller pays one. Okay. No, but I like the idea. All right, so the next one should be a rare. There should be a tip card or token here. Ooh, the token is the 6-6 six, six Flying Dragon. So Ooh. what do we want to see first, rare or foil? Let's do the foil first. Okay, foil should be the last card. Ooh, Ooh that's a money card. Rest in peace. A what? foil rest what? in peace. Foil can can we like look up this is what this is worth? I, got I like you. want to know what I got you just you. opened value wise. Uh, I got one and a white for an enchantment. When it enters a battlefield, you exile all cards from all graveyards, and if a card or token we put into a graveyard from anywhere, you exile it instead. Okay, so according to TCG Player, the foil goes for thirty-five bucks. Woo! Wow, that is hot. I've been hanging onto this pack since like Theros, and Dang. you know. Here we go, remembering cards. All right, look at that. <laughs> Value, if only my other random packs were this good. Now right. I feel bad for making us look at the foil first. Like, on average, the foil's not going to be of money rare. All right. No. Well, let's find out what our rare is. <laughs> oh, What is this pack? It's Temple Garden. It's a shock land. <gasps> what is this pack? <laughs> this is... Did you, was this a, this pack a gift for me? Was that was that how we were doing? I, I can't I can't believe it. I didn't open a Temple Garden during that format. So I, you, this is actually like sort of harkens back to my um my uh, masterpiece days where I was very good at being masterpiece adjacent. We had a mm -hmm. sort of a deal with our friends that if someone opened oh. a masterpiece, then they had to buy everyone milkshakes. It was, like very, it was the milkshake bet. And I never bought people milkshakes, and I had many milkshakes purchased <laughs> for me. So if you're in a chaos draft, are you taking Stab Wound? No, I'm taking the foil rest in peace. What <laughs> exactly. are you talking yeah, yeah. about? <laughs> yeah. we're, we're not trying to win. If, you, yeah. if you're trying to win I might the just drop the, from the event, okay. like keep That's my fair. packs and be that, that jerk who is like, okay. Let's say you're you're doing a phantom chaos draft on Magic Online. Stab wound. Stab wound it is. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I would oh, just yeah. take the rest of piece and just do a little happy dance. Yeah. It'd be no. Funny. And then I would I would jump for Glee. I'd be like, ha ha, made the most money. Yeah. But, you know, there's always uh, someone making more money though. That's just the nature of chaos. Uh, uh, April did a. And if you saw this in Minneapolis, she did a. Uh, a Modern Horizons sealed tournament and got a foil Ren in six. Like, there's always going to be right. someone with a foil yeah. Ren in six. I, uh, That's fair, yeah. The, I opened a, you know, cheaper money card the last Chaos draft I did at GP Minneapolis. I opened uh, Rashadden Port. Mm. And then in my first match, I played it just because, you know, why not? And I took it because I didn't own one. I had an opponent who could never draw a second island, and I just ported his island for the entire game, and he could never play his blue cards. It was nice. I mean, it was miserable very nice. for everyone involved, me included, but kind of wonderful. Yeah, but the well, opponent was playing a to my blue childhood. deck, so like they kind of deserved it. Fair. All right, so we covered it all. Signature Spellbook, Incredible Chaos Draft Pack. Sam, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Sam, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, for sure. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we've wanted to do it for a long time. Glad to finally have you yeah. on. Can you tell us 
where on the internet people can find you? Just on Twitter, actually. I mean, I guess I have an Instagram, but I don't ever use it. But my Twitter handle is my last name. Um, I'm not going to spell that out. You can probably find it in the description of the show. <laughs> It'll be in the title, <laughs> and we'll link to your Twitter account in the notes. Yep. Honestly, I don't even know how to spell my last name. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was great. We did a signature spell book. We talked about coverage. We did a little chaos pack one pick one with an incredibly dope pack that I'm going to put cards in sleeves when we're done here. And thank all of you for joining us today as part of that. You can find us on Twitter at our new handle, at MemoryJarMTG. As always, we would love your feedback. And please tell us about the cards and decks and stories you want to remember. Listeners, we're a little disappointed that no one has given us a new closing catchphrase. The old one was cheesy, and well, frankly, we loved it. So give us some options and we'll try them out. Uh, and until next time, may all your tales be fanciful and magical and hope you can remember some fantastic cards. Nailed it. <laughs>